Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, your good hand of blessing is continually upon us. We thank you. We praise you, Lord, for the way that each and every day we recognized that wonderful truth. As we'll see in this book of Ezra, Ezra proclaimed of the blessing of God that was upon his life, and then he shares that the hand of his God, the good hand of his God was upon him. And that truth is very evident, not only in the chapter that we will look at this morning, but it is also very evident in the chapter of our life through this past week and looking forward to this next coming week. We thank you, our God, for your good hand blessing. The many things that, that we obtain, we obviously recognize that they come from your hand. It is by your strength that we are even here today, and by your grace, we are allowed to even come into your presence to rejoice and give thanks to you. And so, Lord, I want to take this time on behalf of these wonderful people to thank you for all that you have done for us as we anticipate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. Lord, my, my mind rushes to the promise that you're coming again. And I thank you for that, God, that, that promise that keeps us going even in the midst of when we come upon storms or storms come upon us. We're grateful that we know that our Savior lives. And there's not a storm in this world. There's not a storm that comes to our lives that cannot be hushed by the words of our Creator who would say, Peace, be still. And so, Lord, we rejoice in your goodness to us. And we ask, O oh Father, this morning that by your Spirit that you will teach us this day the truths of your word. We thank you for this individual whom we have never met, only in the fact that we have read and are reading of his account. This, this wonderful individual that you used, O oh God, in your time and in your way for the reestablishment of worship, a life of holiness into the nation of Israel, this one named Ezra. And so, God, this morning, I ask that you would open your word and open our hearts to the understanding of it. May our eyes behold you and the greatness that you are, for that is the theme of our study, the greatness of our God. And your good hand is part of your greatness. So, Lord, may we come to a deeper appreciation of who you are and what you do in our lives. And we'll be careful to praise you and thank you in the matchless name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. We find ourselves this morning going into Ezra, the eighth chapter. 
But before we make comment of the 8th chapter, I want you to turn to the last three verses of the chapter 7. Or the last two verses, excuse me, of chapter 7. Chapter 7, in all of its totality, is a, a letter that comes, that accompanies, if you will, Ezra, and this letter comes from the ruler at that time, Artaxerxes. Now we have seen in this study that the book of Ezra covers three different Persian kings. We have Cyrus, Darius, yes, even Xerxes, but now Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes is the same ruler that if we were to take the time and go through the book of Nehemiah, he would be, Nehemiah would be serving Artaxerxes as his personal food taster. But here, Ezra is given a letter by Artaxerxes giving permission to do a number of different things. And if you read that letter, you'll find out that number one, Artaxerxes says anyone who wants to go with Ezra may go. Now this will be the second exile, if you will, of group of individuals coming out of Babylon. The first group follows Zerubbabel and Jeshua. Now this is the second group that is coming out during the time of Ezra himself. But I want us to join us in looking at the last two verses of chapter 7. I don't know how a, a chapter could end in a more dynamic and blessed way than what the words are listed here. It says, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, who has put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, and has extended mercy to me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. So I was encouraged as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me and I gathered leading men of Israel to go up with me. He was encouraged by the good hand of his God that was upon him. The theme this morning is the good hand of our God rests upon all those who do his will. Ezra thanks the Lord God for not only his provision to be let go, but also for God's protection as he went. Chapter 8, the first 14 verses deal with the individuals that follow Ezra into this second exile. What is kind of interesting, though, is that chapter 7 uh, and chapter 8 and the last two chapters, 9 and 10, cover a period of about one year. It's a year in the life of Ezra. Chapters 1 through 6 covers a period of time of about 100 years. There's time of when Ezra was not even alive that Cyrus was king of Persia. 
Ezra would have no idea of who Darius was because he was not yet born. All, as, all that Ezra knew was Artaxerxes. That was the king of Persia who took over, or if you will, overthrew the Babylonian Empire. And Cyrus, or I'm sorry, Ezra was born and raised during that time. So what we have in virtuality is we have a book that covers 101 years. 100 years prior to Ezra coming to Jerusalem. And in one year, as Ezra is there. What is also interesting in the book is that the first six chapters deal with, number one, they deal with a king who lets them go. And number two, it deals with a list of people that go, verse, or chapter two. And then in chapter three, there's a problem that Zerubbabel and Jeshua must deal with. That problem is external. Remember, the people of the land did not want the rebuilding of the temple for God. Well, in chapter 7, we see another exile. As is, again, God moves in the heart of a king, Artaxerxes. The list of individuals that go are listed for us in chapter 8. And then there's a problem, chapter 9 and 10. That problem, though, is internal, not external. And when we get to chapter 9, we'll find out that what was happening is the children of Israel were leaving the principles of Zerubbabel and Jeshua that they taught, and they began to engage in themselves of gaining wives and husbands from foreign nations, something that the Israelites were not supposed to do. And so Ezra spends a year in correcting that situation. But this morning we want to look at that verse or that promise of what it says in verse 28, that he was encouraged because the hand of his God was upon him. I have there for you in your study notes something that I, I trust will be of help to you as you go back and peruse this information. First of all, it has there the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. I, I like to re-entitle re re that if I may. It's this. The good hand of our God is preparing the way even before we begin. The good hand of our God is preparing the way even before we begin. It was God, as it's referred to in chapter 7, that God moved in the heart of Artaxerxes, just as he moved in the heart of Cyrus, chapter 1. God was beginning to do something that Ezra was not even aware of what he was doing. It was even before Ezra took one step 
leaving Babylon area, God was already moving in a way to prepare for that journey. He, he moved in the heart of a godless king, or let me rephrase that, a king who had many gods, but they were all immaterial compared to the good hand of the Lord, our God. So the good hand of our God begins or moves in ways that even before we begin our journey. Look at your own lives. Think back of when it was that you first came to understand of how Jesus Christ died for you, rose again for you, and has prepared for you the gift of what we call eternal life. You may have been a, a child when you first heard that truth. You may have been older, like myself, who believed that truth. But as I look back on that, I see how God was moving in circumstances even before he, he was preparing the way, even before I began to take steps. He allowed me the privilege to marry a wife who understood and knew the gospel. And yet, if it wasn't for my wife, I most likely would not have become involved in a church situation as I was. And so God was moving in that way. You may think back if it was how it was that maybe it was your mom or your dad who met with you privately in your room and discussed with you the truths of the gospel. And God was already preparing that because as you were growing up, you began to hear this, these things and you wondered, what is the truth of that? What is the validity of that? So the good hand of our God, as Ezra says, he was blessed by that. Because even before he was ready to go, God moved in the heart of Artaxerxes. And when you read this letter, and take the time to do that, not only did God move in the heart of Artaxerxes to let his people go, but he provided for them every step of the way. The good hand of our God moves in ways even before we begin. Ezra knew that. I think what's dynamic, and there's this underlying truth of the book of Ezra, it's this. Years later, here we are, well over 2,500 years later, we're looking at this book on Sunday mornings. I trust you're engaging yourself and reading it throughout the rest of the week to become more familiar with it. But here we are, Sunday morning in the year 2018, and we're still being encouraged by the truths that Ezra wrote. Our God does provide, doesn't he? Can I get an amen from the congregation? Our God does protect us, doesn't he? beyond what we could ever even imagine. Our God does. The good hand of our God begins to prepare the way even before we begin to, to move. And so here, as Ezra's writing this, 
I am sure he's hoping that it will become an encouragement to the nation of Israel at the time he's writing it. I doubt he understood the impact it would make 2,500 years later in a little town called Herndon at a place called Grace Community Church. That's the dynamic of God's Word. Written in a time by in an individual to meet a particular need, and yet they had no idea the impact it would make hundreds of thousands of years later. Thank the Lord for his word. The first issue is this, that our God, the good hand of our God prepares the way even before we begin to move. When you read the very first couple of verses of chapter 8, there's a list of individuals that we must stop for a couple of seconds, and that's all I have to look at. And it says in verse 8, These are the heads of the fathers' houses, and this is the genealogy of those who went with me from Babylon in the reign of King Artaxerxes. Of the sons of Phineas, Gershom, of the sons of Ithamar, Daniel, of the sons of David, Hattush. What is interesting about those three names, three individuals, is that two of them are priests. Two of them are priests. Ithamar, I'm sorry, excuse me, Gershom is the son of Phineas. And if you trace Phineas's line, it goes all the way back to Aaron. Ithamar is also, if you trace his line back, it goes all the way back to Aaron. Priests. Those two are priests. But we have a son of David by the name of Hattush. It's interesting that we have two priests and a king. Two priests and a king. Ezra, in this choosing of these individuals, or God even moving in their hearts of these individuals, is first of all, making sure that the proper worship in the temple is going to be secure. But also, there's a king. Doug Oldham, many, some of you are familiar with him, used to sing at the old-time gospel hour. Every Sunday morning, Doug Oldham would sing, but one of the great songs he would sing was, A King is Coming. The King is Coming. In this particular, just this one verse, the good hand of our God points out the fact that the king is coming. Two priests, but there's a king. In other words, the promise that God made to David, God is still carrying it through. Hatush would carry on the line of David the king 
it would be from his offspring that eventually you would come to the book of Matthew and you would see the birth of the true king whose name is Jesus. God has not forgotten his promise that through the nation Israel would come the Messiah, the king of the whole world. Two priests come to reestablish worship and a king comes to carry on the promise of God. So, next time you want to bypass these difficult names, I challenge you not to. Because in it, you will find promises of how God, the good hand of our God, is upon us. That he will continue to fulfill his promises. I'll not take the rest of the time this morning to read the, the other names that are listed here. I challenge you to do that. Don't worry about if you're pronouncing them correctly or not. You're in your closet. That's between you and God. God knows what you're reading. But I challenge you to read them because you will also discover that God is about to reestablish the 12 tribes of Israel again because there are 12 leaders that are listed and they will again reestablish the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel so the good hand of our God is already preparing the way even before we begin to move secondly in verses 15 to 20 the good hand of our God stirs the hearts of those who are his. And notice, if you will, in verse 15, that Ezra takes a little bit of a rest before they begin their journey. He says, Now I gathered them by the river that flows to Ahava, and we camped there three days. And I looked among the people and the priests, and found none of the sons of Levi there. None of the sons of Levi. Levi, you know, was one of the original leaders of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. But Ezra is taking inventory, and none of them are there. Well, the issue is, as we saw in chapter 2, again, a list of individuals that followed Zerubbabel and Jeshua from Babylon to Jerusalem, that there were Levites at that time. There were also individuals that were called Nethanims. The Levites, it was their job, established by Moses and also established by David, that they were to assist the priests during the time of worship at the temple. There were jobs that they were supposed to do. The Nethanims were also to be there. They were to be servants, if you will, to the Levites. 
but they weren't there. And Ezra does something about it. He, he doesn't move, he doesn't leave, until he gains the service of some from the family of Levi. In other words, worship can't happen unless God has individuals in the place to make it happen. Guess what? That's you. That's you. Worship just isn't an organist and a pianist who do great work and great ministry to lead us in singing. It's not a song leader. Worship is you. You coming. You being a part of it. Now, what is interesting is what caused these individuals from the family of Levi to not want to go. Why weren't they there at the very beginning? You go back and you read the letter from Artaxerxes. I believe it's in chapter 7, verse 15, that Artaxerxes, take whomever that wants to go, but also make sure you take Levites and Nethanims. But they didn't show up. When it was time to go, they didn't show up. I've related a story that happened to my, my wife's family many years ago when their, my wife's youngest uh, brother was, they come to church, bring all the children, and the youngest brother at that time was just a baby. Laid him on the pew, fell asleep. I think that might have been maybe the first or second time that Bob was in church or whatever, but church was over, family gets up and leaves, and they left Bob on the, on the, on the pew. They get home, which is about, for them, about at that time, about three miles away. Everyone's looking for Bob. What's up with Bob? Where is he at? I thought you were to bring him. No, I thought you were supposed to bring him. And so mom and dad got back in the car and went back and picked up Bob. There he was, sleeping in the same place he left him. Now, I don't know if no one told these Levites or not, hey, we're going, get ready. But they didn't show up. So Ezra did something about it. Notice what he does. Notice what he does here. In verse 17, I, I gave a command. I gave them a command. Who did he give a command to? Verse 16 tells the individuals. They were to go and say to Ido, who is a leader, and his brethren, the Nethnim, at the place Caspia, that they should bring us servants for the house of our God. Now notice verse 18. Then, by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding, the sons of Mahali, the son of Levi, 
the son of Israel, namely Sherebiah. The good hand of God moves or stirs the hearts of those who are his. Sherebiah was called and he answered the call. In fact, he brought with him some of his brethren and also 220 Nethanims. What Ezra was missing, God provided. What was needed, God stirred the hearts of those individuals to answer that need. It's you. Sometimes we, we, we come to God and we say, God, why don't you change, would you please change the heart of my next door neighbor? Anyone pray that? My next door neighbor is a cantankerous person. You change their heart. Guess what, what God would say? He'd stir in your heart to say, that's you. You. I'll minister, I'm going to use you. It was kind of interesting, though, as you go back and you look at the, uh, the passage as it details what happens in a matter of a week, one week, about 260 people settle everything, pack up everything, and go. Sherebiah and his brethren and 220 Nethanims in a matter of seven days, say, I'll go. We're going. God, the good hand of our God, stirs the heart of the people that is his. They've always, I've always been told to never tell God where you don't want to go. Or never ask God for something that you don't want. In my carnality, I've used reverse strategy on God, and it hasn't worked yet. I've said, God, whatever you do, please don't send me to Hawaii. I can't imagine ministering to those people on the beach. Yeah, I haven't gone yet. He sent me to a place that gets 12 inches of snow on a Wednesday before Easter. <laughs> the issue is, is that the good hand of our God stirs the hearts of people that are his. I guess the question this morning, as I see in these few verses, is this. Would you be willing to go and to do whatever God would lay upon your heart. Now, it's not just a charge for the teenagers and young people of this congregation. That's for us older ones, too. Would we be willing to do or to even go where God would ask us to go with no questions asked? In a matter of seven days, 260 people said, I'll go. And it was accomplished. 
A third thing of the good hand of our God is in verses 21 through 30, that the good hand of our God provides and protects. The exile, this particular group, this exile, didn't come away. They didn't leave Babylon empty-handed as the first group did not leave empty-handed either. As Cyrus provided for the first group, Artaxerxes provided funds for the second group. Riches are listed there. The dynamics of it are great. But there's a phrase that interested me when I came to it. You'll find that phrase up here in verse 22. It says, For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. Ezra was not going to ask King Artaxerxes for any protection. He was not asking for an escort to lead the way. Because his words to the king were such that our God is great. And he will protect us. He wasn't about to go back and say, would you mind sending a group of men to protect us? Now, you, you have to understand, the thoroughfares at that time were not patrolled by state policemen. Some of you probably wish the thoroughfare you take is not patrolled by state policemen. But they're there for our protection, usually to protect us from us. That's why it always amazes me going up 81 to see Mom up in Little Falls, New York. And we're traveling in a speed zone of 55, and people see it naturally. That means 80 to them. But when all of a sudden they see a police car side the road, I sort of catch up to them then. And so these thoroughfares did not have the protection from thieves, from robbers, from plunderers. And these guys, these individuals, were carrying a lot of money. They had riches as they left Babylon or Persia at that time. Artaxerxes gave them a lot. Do we find ourselves at times when it's easy to say how good our God is, how he does provide, how wonderful he protects, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a storm? I, I think I'm, all, I'm the only one in this. 
we find ourselves in the storms and all of a sudden we begin to back off and wonder, is our God really that good? Is he really going to provide? Will he really protect us? Have you, well, I know I have. I've doubted the hand of God. And yet this verse struck me so hard that it reminded me that here's Ezra and his entourage of about 3,000 people. They are loaded. Their pockets are bulging with riches. All for the house of God. All for the protection, if you will, a provision to make the house of God, the temple of God, more beautiful than it has already been. And they're saying to Artaxerxes, our God will protect us. Notice what they did. They fasted and prayed. If you check out scripture, you'll find out that when individuals fast and pray, God moves in such a realistic way. When Joshua was about to embark in taking care of the city of Jericho, the first thing they were to do was to tell the people to get ready. I, I wonder if that might have been fast and pray. Indication in the scripture is not there, but I can't help but wonder if that's what getting ready is all about. Ezra and these 3,000 people, they got ready. And even before they embarked, Ezra said, our God protected us. The good hand of our God provides and protects us through life's journeys. Lastly, when we look at verses 31 to 36, the good hand of our God blesses us and leads us to worship. The good hand of our God blesses us and leads us to worship. The chapter closes, as our time does, the chapter closes with a celebration. They are now in Jerusalem, and they worship God. If you read the last couple of verses, you'll find out that they sacrificed 12 goats for a sin offering. Again, a reminder of God establishing the 12 tribes of Israel. And they worshiped God. Throughout our week, the previous week, we come and we gather here to worship God and we rehearse the goodness of our God throughout this past week whether it is a sore muscle in the right hip, whether it's shoveling snow that you had to do, or whether even getting up this morning was a chore. Yet God 
by his good hand blesses so that we can come and worship him. I'm reminded that in closing, the conclusion that is there for you, that God is advancing his kingdom in the world with individuals who the world considers nobody. God uses people like us. This is a God whose hand is for good on all those who seek him. Seek the good hand of God in your lives. You'll be amazed at what he will do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for letting us worship you. Thank you for letting, allowing us the privilege to see your good hand move in our lives this past week. You stirred the hearts of those who are yours. You prepared the way even before we began. You provided and protected us. And you even lead us to this place of where we can worship you. Thank you, God, for your good hand. May we become more aware of your hand upon us as we seek you. Oh, Lord, show us your goodness. And we'll thank you and praise you in your name. Amen.